0: Hello and welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent converts and seasoned fans alike. My name is Shannon. And I'm Angelica. And how are you doing today? I am personally quite sore from the Patreon episode that we filmed yesterday.
1: I am not as sore as I thought I would be. That <laughs> um, There was an unexpected drop squat in my day, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't prepare for or realize I would be dropping into when I woke up that morning. But mm-hmm. I, I'm doing okay.
0: okay so that's a little tease for the patreon members there will be an episode out this week i'm not gonna tell you what it was yet but like we got sore somehow and it was a really fun fun time and i'm definitely gonna put a free clip on the instagram because it was too funny but um (laughs) if you want to see what that's about then you have to join our patreon aha i got that plug up top Nice,
1: nice. For less than $10 a month, you can have extra ridiculous content of 30 something nerds making fools of themselves in the privacy of their own homes.
0: (laughs) And then (laughs) for all of you you. to see. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Ah. Um well anyway, I'm really excited about today's episode because it's a learning episode and you know Our how favorites. excited and nerded we get about learning episodes. Um so I think we're going to cover like two main topics today of elements that have been kind of like trendy in K-pop recently, um, or like might be showing themselves more. And these are two different ways in which traditional Korean culture has started to overlap with K-pop. So I did a whole bunch of research about Musical instruments and more pansori singing stuff, and Angelica learned so much about the um, resurgence of hanbok as casual fashion.
1: Yes, which we have lovingly referred to on this podcast as fashion hanbok. But there's actually a term for it, so we'll get into that <laughs> later on in the episode.
0: Yes. Um, so this is very exciting. We did a lot of research, and I'm really excited to get into it today. Um, but as always today's conversation was about elements that we could directly tie to examples of k-pop songs mm-hmm. so obviously there are many more instruments that i will not get to today and et cetera, et cetera. but we wanted to try to tie it into k-pop because this is a k-pop show
1: of course so these are you know instances where like you said before they've overlapped
0: yes Um, So specifically, today's topic, what I wanted to talk about is what Arirang News called fusion gugak. And so our first vocabulary word today is gugak, which is an all-encompassing term for all forms of traditional Korean music and entertainment. Like pansori singing is included. There's also mask dancing and fan dancing and all kinds of like different ancient entertainment forms. And they're all like called um, so that's our first vocabulary word of the day. And then the second one is another like big term and this is bechita. and i am probably playing the augusti song dechita under this right now because it is a clear example
1: <laughs> and he says it over and over and over again
0: over and over again um dechita is specifically traditional military music that was played by like the king's military band mm-hmm. and it means great blowing and hitting so like it's supposed to be like very intense like intimidating military music
1: sure in your face
0: Yes, and there's a very specific band that is put together for, like, dechita music, um, and it includes a special drum called a yongo that has a dragon painted on it. And that drum is only used for dechita like wow, music. Cool. Um, and in the August e song, he uh, got a sample from the National Gugak Center. They, like, recorded a traditional, de ch- like, the song, techita Um, for him to sample in the song Hmm. so I thought that was very interesting and I read a quote from Lim Jae-won who is currently the director of the National Gugak Center in Korea Um, and he personally believes that this resurgence of interest in Gugak music came around in after the 1988 Olympics that were held in uh, South Korea um, because before that there weren't a lot of people who still played these instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to remember like Korea was occupied for a long time and then there was a long war, so like a lot of the time traditional stuff can get like lost yeah. in that way. So like the Olympics really like made everybody like proud of Korea and Korean stuff again, so there was this new interest in people wanting to learn how to play these instruments and find new ways to make this music part of everyday life. And if you've ever visited South Korea and ridden public transportation, they use little clips of Gugak music on the subways and the bus to, like, alert that you've made it to your stop. They all have, like, a different little song. Um, And whenever I hear them, it, like, makes me not homesick, but just Korea-sick for Korea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah, so that's how it's, like, sort of become more part of everybody's lives every day and that they hear it all the time. Um, But... It started to make its way into K-pop. It has been for a while, but I feel like recently the examples are kind of like piling up. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about it today. Um, All right. So first we can start off with some instruments and concrete examples of them being used in K-pop songs. Great. So the first one is called a gayagum, And this is a large string zither instrument that usually has at least 12 strings, but can have up to 25 strings. And it's played on the floor. You like lean it on your lap. It's like a big old lap harp, but it's played two hands, plucky fingers. And it sounds like this. The gayagum was invented somewhere between year 50 and 500 and the story is that a Korean king on a visit to China saw a Chinese version of an instrument like this being played and then got home and ordered someone to make him one (laughs) so that's how it came to be Um, and this uh, this instrument can be heard very clearly in a few songs and the first one is Shangri-La by Vix
2: um
0: this song actually has like a couple of fun instrument like a couple of fun elements of like asian culture in it there's like fans and the title is referencing like a traditional chinese folk tale i believe um And it looks like, okay. member N said to Billboard, we put in a lot of East Asian influences. But the ironic thing was that the performance and the music feels like it adheres to more of a Western pop feel.
1: Yeah, I thought that quote was interesting because I feel like the East Asian influences that they chose to put in it, because like you said, the uh, instrument itself is like a big part of the song and it kind of like, haunts the chorus throughout, like, mm-hmm. the, through a the whole thing. And it's great. This is honestly a masterpiece. I fucking love this song. <laughs> so it's, like, the only Vic song I know, and it's so yeah. good. Um And we will talk about the fashion in it a little bit later on, but there's a lot of really distinct elements to it. So I was surprised that he said that he thought the performance seemed pretty western because I don't know if I if I really thought that I would never see
0: boys dancing with fans and think that there was anything western about that at all. Same.
1: (laughs) Same. But maybe he meant to I don't yeah, so I'm not really sure. I I wished that he would have elaborated (laughs) on that opinion.
0: But yeah, I think that that's kind of the vibe that is th- running through a lot of these songs is that for the most part, a lot of these songs are trying to trying to modernize or even westernize mm-hmm. or, you know, make more appealing. These very old, like extremely like ancient instruments like sound cool in a new way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So that's very interesting. Um, another one that's very recent, One Us, has a song called Lit.
1: Um,
0: that has, like, very strong gayageum instrumentation that you can hear in, like, I'm playing the clip right now, but the rap (laughs) break has it really strong. But this is another one where the music video itself, like, takes place in a palace. And there's cool handbook wearing that we can talk about. Um, But, like, it's a generally an overtly Korean concept to the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Korean history factors very greatly into the whole concept of the music video. And it was interesting going through all of these examples of the songs, how, like when that did play into the concept and when it didn't, Um, I feel like with this instrument in particular, Most of the artists that chose to use this instrument, like, chose to make it central to the whole concept Mm -hmm. of the... Um, of the song and I wonder if it's because of the instrument like maybe the instrument has a specific reputation in Korea because like the Chinese one that it's based off of is is known to be it's like associated with Confucius and it's like a very elegant refined um so I wonder if there's something about this instrument in particular that made artists want to like center the whole comeback around Mm -hmm.
0: it. It's very strong. Mm -hmm. It's like a really, it's a really bite. Like all of the instruments today, they're very like biting. They like cut right through the air Mm -hmm. and make a statement. But some of them
1: are factored in more subtly into the instrumentation. Mm -hmm. And this instrument, I felt like was almost in all of the songs that we'll talk about. It's like a main part of the intro. And then it's like a main hook of the melody or the chorus.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Another one that's on this list that I had mixed feelings about because it's like on the top of everybody's like lists and articles about like traditional mm -hmm. Korean songs or, you know, elements in K-pop songs. And so Top Fusion Gugak,
1: to use our term Yes, Fusion Gugak, thank you.
0: (laughs) I made vocabulary, so we should use it. Um, That the group, I want to find the year because I need to know what year it was and... Okay, 2014. So back in 2014, boy group Top Dog put out a song called Arario, which is like kind of a play on Aridang, which is like the national Mm -hmm. traditional Korean song. And this video has like a full gugak band and the mask dancers and like all of the things. Mm -hmm. It has like all the elements and that's very strong. But at the same time, all of the sets where the Top Dog members are not in their like traditional Korean garb, they are wearing hip-hop clothes and have dreadlocks and braids and do-rags and such. And I, like, didn't know what to do with, like, both of those things in a music video.
1: Yeah, I, I wrote it down as hip-hop handbok, which is, like, mm-hmm. the only <laughs> example
0: <laughs> yeah. of
1: that particular flavor uh, of fusion, on this list. and But I honestly thought... I watched this music video and I thought it was really fun. I think the way mm-hmm. that they use the instruments in the song is great. Um, like, the song itself is really fun. I did write, like, oh, wow, that's a bad braid hat. Um, and, like, <laughs> the general... Like, some of the elements of the, like, hip-hop handbok are pretty bad, but the way that they incorporate, like, the dragon dancers and, like, the masks and the girls in their, like, scanty handbok, yeah, their which scanty we'll talk handle. about later, Um, and the, like, all the gats, the, like, traditional hats, I just thought it, like, I thought it was really fun. I liked it. I did like it a lot, even though there were some, like... Questionable choices with what it sure. was fused with. Yes, <laughs> maybe maybe that was the poor choice. Was that it should have been fused with more? Like, I mean, should have been fused. Top Dog was like a hip hop group, so I guess yeah, it sure. makes sense that that's what they chose to to fuse it with. But
0: it's just so hard not to doesn't age body well. Cringe at sense. those things, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: So that are that's those are some examples of Gaia Gum. The large lap zither in K-pop. The next instrument I want to talk about is another extremely important one. And this is called a hegum. And this is a two-stringed instrument that you play with a bow, with a bow, like a violin. And it has like a big thick wood block bass that you sit on your knee, and then the pole comes straight up with the two strings, and then you play it like that, and it sounds like this. This is an instrument that was derived from a Chinese instrument that I think is called a zikin, but I'm not good at pronouncing Chinese and YouTube had no examples of it. Um but this instrument was at least invented by the late 900s. That's when they have the first recorded um writings about it um but this is one of the most widely used traditional korean instruments um it has such a distinct sound and it's so like haunting and warbly and that there's only like the two strings makes its like range it just it's a very instrument like interesting sounding very distinctive sound to
1: the instrument yeah for sure and this is one that you'll see like, we definitely saw, actually, I feel like I've seen this played even in the subways in, like, Boston. You'll see, like, a, like little street performers, or some, little, I don't know why I yeah. said little, street performers <laughs> in the subway playing this instrument. Um, although yeah. maybe they were playing the um, Chinese version as well. But they're very similar instruments with very similar for sure, sounds. For sure, for
0: sure. Um, And the examples that I have of this instrument used in K-pop are all kind of odd, like they use it in a very, in a way you might not recognize right off the bat. And the first one that I found really surprising, but you can hear it once you know, Mm -hmm. is The Chaser by Infinite so this song i feel like is memorable because of what feels like a kind of haunting like sireny sound that's over the whole thing but that's the Hegum, but it's like been yeah. pitched up and electronicized in like a very wacky echoey way
2: yeah, so I, I never
1: it. would have noticed that that sound was this instrument if you had if it hadn't like been on this list, because obviously this is like the infinite song. And so right. I heard <laughs> it so many times um, and I never really thought anything about it, but it just loops through the whole song is this like really phenomenal wine I feel like it makes the song like without this song it w- or without this particular instrument the song would not have been as powerful or as catchy for sure and it like it's really great <laughs> it's a really good use of this, this
0: for sure um, the next example is um, an older EXO song that is called Love 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 <laughs> and this song actually uses both the hegom and the gayagum that we both talked like both of the stringed instruments but they are chopped they are backwards they're pitched up there's also a lot of cartoon sound this song has a oh lot God. of really crazy shit going on in it but some of the crazy shit is traditional korean instruments being like bent and chopped and mm-hmm. like arranged in wacky wacky ways
1: Yeah, this song is truly wild. Like, the instrument, the melody of it is so crazy. Like you said, there's just layers and layers of chopped instruments and then yeah those weird like cartoon whizzing sounds like like, (laughs) what is well i had never heard that song before because it's a it's an older song i've
0: never heard that version because they do an acoustic version of it at exoplanet 3 which i have on a cd like chanyol plays it and they like do runs, and, like, it's a different song than the version that is on Overdose. So I was kind of shocked by the, like, original recorded version because I didn't know it that way. I knew it as a different song.
1: It's also a totally bananas song. Like, a totally, (laughs) totally insane fucking song. (laughs)
0: Yeah. XO. All right, and then the last example I have of Hagum in K-pop is actually... In Super M's song, I Can't Stand the Rain.
1: So Tangential Exo.
0: Yes. <laughs> this was on SuperM's debut album. Um, and Beckyun said in an interview with Refinery29, we wanted to emphasize the harmony between Western and Asian music, and that's why the drums and the hagum are on this westernized beat. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really cool that um, SuperM wanted to intentionally include um, some traditional Korean instruments in their American like their mm-hmm. American pop debut
1: yeah that was really interesting that I loved that they made that a specific point point. and this song starts with uh those uh really big like traditional Korean drums that just mm-hmm. like boom and like echo yes this song is so great this is one of my favorite <laughs> song off of the debut album I fucking love this song um the way that the Hegum like sort of echoes after Baekhyun's vocals in the chorus is so great the song is like haunting like the drums just like beat in your soul and then like you hear the heck in the background and it like haunts it oh it's so good it's so good I fucking love this song
0: yes great um so those were two stringed instruments that I wanted to talk about um and then now it's time to get into horns So the next most common Korean instrument that you will hear most often is called a tepyongso. And this is a small wooden oboe and it has a metal horn bell at the end of it. Um, But it's also sometimes called a hojok or a sennap or a nalari. And nalari is its onomatopoeia title because that Mm -hmm. nalali is what it sounds like (laughs) um and it but it sounds like this (music) this instrument was probably invented somewhere around the year 900 but its earliest mention in recorded korean history is 1493 Hmm. but they think that it was around the continent much longer than that and it has a very sharp very loud sound that is like almost saxophone-esque in its kind of way that it Yeah,
1: but the reed reed in it is like very tinny in a way that it probably, like if you traced it all the way back, I feel like it probably came from maybe like India or the Middle East Mm -hmm. um, because it has like a very like high-pitched reedy wail to it.
0: That's right. I think I still have the Wikipedia page open. I think you might be right. Yes, Persian. It comes Aye. from a Persian instrument. Yes, girl, you did it. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um so this is a very popular instrument um in K-pop because I think it makes for really cool beats. Mm-hmm. Um and the first example of this is in Idol by BTS. <laughs> and the clip i'm playing right now is the part where i feel like it's the most isolated in the song um but this song has a lot of drums which they said were a mix of like african drums and traditional korean drums um, and then they have the Tepyongso as sort of part of the like uh percussion instrumentation when like some of the rap verses like Mm -hmm. Uh, fall out like the yeah it's like the background
1: yeah it's like the background uh melody of the verse of a lot of the verses Mm
0: -hmm. yeah but the way that but that very strong like of it like real I think kind of makes the whole song it like brings the song in so strong yeah for a song that is like going so hard the entire time Mm
2: -hmm. yeah it's
0: such a driving
1: Instrument, like maybe it is because that song is or the sound is so like blaring, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it just like pushes the song forward.
0: Um, the next example is from a couple of years ago, and this was Sunmi's song "La La la <laughs> What did Sunmi say about writing this song?
1: So she talked a lot about this song because originally the the title La La Le comes from the onomatopoeia title that you told us at the beginning, the Nalari, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently after Sunmi went on tour and she went to a concert in Mexico, she talked about how like the energy of the Mexican crowd was so infectious that she like went back and was thinking about how, and she was like, I'll always remember like the energy that they had there. And then, uh, thought about how Korea is also known for its type of energy and she thought of this word la-la-lay which I guess is slang for knowing when to let loose okay. um, and then th- she had heard that the tapyongseo instruments are called la la in folk music so she thought it would be a good starting point for the song and then built the whole song around the sound of that instrument and the idea of letting loose and having fun um, so yeah. that's why that's is where the title comes from and the whole song is built around the like anti-chorus of that instrument
2: um,
0: it doesn't factor so... into it
1: visually but it is like the cornerstone of that whole song and it's fantastic
0: the way that it blares out at the very beginning with that like Mm -hmm. crash of just like this is what you are in for and it's just like echoing by itself and like oh I love it
1: yeah no need to buckle up just go for the ride
0: that's exactly (laughs) what she said um yeah great thank you Sunmi for that bop and
1: for everything you do
0: (laughs) this next next example is another one where the instrument has been Modified into a way where it's almost unrecognizable. And this is Hangover by Psy featuring Snoop Dogg.
2: Hangover. Hangover. So
0: this is another one where, like, now that I've said it, I'm sure you can hear it. But it's like the sound has been like. Shortened and messed with and like Mm -hmm. turned into a funky, into a funky beat for Sai and Snoop Dogg to rap over.
1: Yeah, but it's still fact, but like that sort of mixed version of it is kind of like Sunmi's. Well, although Sunmi's came after this, um, in a similar way of Mm Sunmi's, uh, is, like, the main anti-chorus of the song. Like, mm-hmm. it is the the driving force in the chorus of the song, which isn't really a chorus.
2: <laughs> right. Um,
1: but if you have not watched this music video before, please do yourself a favor. Um It is a fucking delight. I mean, Psy si is so a delight. Funny. And Snoop Dogg is a delight. And together, it's just a fun time. It's a It's a great... I won't even tell you what happens in it because it's worth not knowing anything about it. Um, And so, yeah, I highly recommend Sigh, Hangover, featuring Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember being, like, very sad when that, like, didn't catch on as much as I wanted it to. Because I, I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, and I, I thought it was great. I, I love that song and I always think of it because the chorus is just hangover, 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 hangover. hangover, hangover. hangover. <laughs> and, and when you are hungover, it isn't necessarily a song you want to listen to, but it is something you can sing to yourself when you are you feeling feel very hungover, hangover, hangover, hangover. hangover. <laughs> Exactly. I think about it all the time. No, not all the time. I, I don't drink that much. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was hungover.
0: Yeah. No, good for you. Good Thank for God. You. <laughs> um, okay. The next song I have that has prominent Taepyeongso in it is Follow by Monster X. Fire. And like the two examples before it, the tepyongso so is used for a very, like, powerful, like, anti-chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, it's really... they are well, saying it's... fa-la-la-lo on it. But, yeah. But it's, like, but the main the hook part, of the It's melody. the more important part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost more important than them saying fa-la-la-lo a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, so... And it's just that part where, like, just the, like, fire. And then... It... <laughs> like the way that it just like blasts in is so yeah. good
1: yeah it's just like i like Sunmi me it in the same way because this song starts with it right away mm-hmm. and it just like bam wakes you up like oh f- okay we're going here we go yeah.
0: <laughs> and i think that's great um so yeah i call for more So and more songs because i think it's crazy and it's so distinct yeah. and fun. it's a really so. fun fun sound Um, And then the next thing I wanted to talk about is another uh, fluty instrument, and this is called a PD. And this is the smallest of the Korean um, traditional instruments, but it is extremely loud, (laughs) and it is a bamboo flute, and it sounds like this. There are actually four types of PDs, like clarinets or things, where they come in different keys, Mm. and there's one that's really, really low, and I watched a video of a girl playing like a jazzy song on one, and I was like, this is nuts. (laughs) And also, North Korea has their own version of this. Oh,
2: interesting.
0: North Korea has a couple of like their own versions of these instruments, and that guy who runs the Gugak Center just recently opened a North Korea exhibit in his Gugak Center because he wants that to be part of it too sure
1: well that would be really fascinating to see how the two have evolved since being separated
0: separated from each other yeah yeah. Yeah. um but pd you probably know because dreamcatcher has a song that is titled pd and prominently features its sound right in this clip um yeah i like this because i feel like because it is such a like small like whistly fluty instrument i feel like it's nice that Dreamcatcher like called it out and like that's what the song is because it's like calling attention to this thing that like maybe you would just like mistake for a piccolo if they hadn't mm-hmm. like specifically called it out in the title of the song
1: <laughs> yeah and it is truly the focus of the song again like it is not only the title but also like the sound of it is the main line in the chorus and it's used throughout the whole thing and then the vocals also like mirror it like in the there's like a little part where It's very nice the way they use it.
0: Yeah, so um, that is a PD as featured in the Dreamcatcher song. Um, So then the next thing that I wanted to talk about was percussion. And then as soon as I started digging into that, I realized that there are an insane amount of traditional Korean percussion instruments. And there's no way that I could get to all of them or find which songs they were all used in. But generally, there are a lot of different kinds of chimes where there are like big bells hanging on poles and there's drums of all shapes and sizes and gongs and little cymbal things. But the one thing I wanted to talk about today is called a mul Nori. And this is a quartet of traditional drums where there's a small gong, a large gong, an hourglass drum, and a puk, which is a big barrel drum. And if you go to, say, if you are visiting Korea and you are like, at Namsan Tower, you might see a samul nori, like, doing a little drum circle. And they're wearing traditional outfits and it, like, Appears to be like, you know, ancient traditional stuff like you'd see at a um,
1: palace or something.
0: At a palace. Um, but it's actually a very new thing. Um, the, sama, the Samulnori was established as a thing in 1978. Hmm. Um, some students like put together the first Samulnori band. Um, and it was like they were trying to take all of the elements from traditional farmer folk music. And, like, turn it into a style of drumming that could be done to, like, celebrate the culture or whatever. Um, So it's a common thing that you see around, but, like, it isn't actually an ancient thing. It's a newer thing. Mm. Um, So I thought that was very interesting.
1: Yeah, what a twist.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. BAP has a song called No Mercy. And there's a dance break um, towards the end of the song that is just a Samul Nori Drum people like fucking going off while they do flips. Hey. Oh. Hey. And um, yeah, it's a good time.
1: Yeah, the the drums don't really the quartet of drums doesn't really factor into the rest of the song. It's like only in this dance break, but it is cool because to have seen like. To have seen that instrument be played and then to watch this music video because the choreography sort of mirrors the way that the drums are played in a circle. Like that whole dance break takes mm-hmm. place with the only one person's in the middle and then there's like a circle of the rest of the members and they like change circles a couple of times, whatever, but they stay in that formation the whole time. Um, so it's nicely, it's nicely used.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So those are some examples of traditional Korean instruments showing up in K-pop. And I'm sure there are others that like I couldn't confirm. These were ones where like articles were written and someone said that's the instrument they Mm -hmm. used. But I'm sure that it comes up like I bet people are using them like a lot. And now I think my ear will listen for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially with all the different uh, types of drums. I'm sure that there are a lot of traditional drums that get incorporated more often than we realize.
0: Um, Yeah. So that's instruments. And then the next thing I wanted to talk about was how types of traditional song have made their way into K-pop specifically. I wanted to talk about pansori and it's like new resurgence as being a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about pansori singing in our trot episode um, so go back and listen to that one if you haven't, but for a refresher, pansori is a type of ancient Korean storytelling that is like singing with a drum and um, people train for years to be able to do it properly because it involves a very specific vocal technique mm-hmm. and you have to tell the stories exactly the right way because they're old as fuck and you have to like keep the, yeah, tradition, the alive. tradition alive. Yes, but there is a new alternative pop band in quotes, that's what they call themselves called Li Nalchi and this group I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with them. They're so fucking
2: cool. Right now I am
0: playing a clip of their most popular song, which is called The Tiger is Coming, because Lee Na chi has taken one of the five remaining ancient pansori stories which is called Sugunga and this is the story, people think that this is the funnest of the surviving Pansori stories because it has anthropomorphized animals in it, mm. which is like a little more fun. <laughs> and I would um, guess the
1: other stories are probably tragedies.
0: Probably. I think that's usually the case. <laughs> um, but this one is like a, a morality tale about na- like being, not being naive. Mm. There's a dragon king and he needs a rabbit's liver or he's going to die. So he sends a turtle to land to go find him a rabbit to get a liver but the turtle and the dragon king don't know shit about land so they get so the rabbit is able to like trick them and escape because they didn't they went into Mm. a situation not knowing what they they, didn't do their research we can get behind that moral (laughs) yeah so lina chi has made an entire album of this traditional Uh, pansori story broken up into like 15 tracks and they do these the pieces of the story with these fucking sick bass loops god it's so cool it's so cool and good and i can't stop listening to it it's so addicting because just like the passion in the singing and like it the levels and the like places it goes while this bass is just going like, boom, 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 boom. like, yeah, it's
1: so fun. It's just such a dynamic way of singing. And it, it like really, I feel like as soon as it starts, it, it's obviously not something that you have to look at, but it's like, you can't look away from it. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, as soon as you start listening to it, you're just like, what is this? <laughs> and I, I don't know. It hooks you.
0: Yeah. It totally hooks you. So The band Linachi is is composed of four trained pansori singers, three girls and one boy. I've seen a second boy sometimes, but that's who's usually there. One drummer and two bassists. And they, like I said, they have this great album. It's called Suguga. You can listen to the whole thing. But in 2020, uh, the Korean Tourism Board partnered Linachi with a dance group that calls themselves Ambiguous Dance Company to make some uh ads that are called Feel the Rhythm of Korea and they're wonderful. They the Ambiguous Dance Company does like kind of silly bouncy dances all over like all kinds of landmarks. There's like there's videos for like every city in South Korea with a different song and a different dance while they like show the beautiful
2: landscape. <laughs>
0: and it was so great and it went super viral in Mm -hmm. 2020 and so they ordered a whole new set of them and there's new ones that like started coming out last month and like everyone lost their minds over these because they're
1: great They're so endearing. They are just, like, cute. And, I mean, the song is catchy, like we've already discussed. And then the dancing is really endearing. Um, And they're wearing, like, goofy costumes in all of the videos. Like, the Busan one, they're just wearing suits with swim caps and goggles. And, like, it's so funny to see, like, the passersby that are just, like, they stop everything that they're doing to just watch these weirdos (laughs) in swim caps and goggles and suits do this awkward dance. And it's so fun. It's so fun. Also, it so it's
0: Shiny approved. Yes, I was going to say if you are a Shawal who watched Shiny Ink, like I told you to, there is a segment at the end of the episode. Taming segment was about uh, meeting with other viral creators to figure out how to make Shiny go viral. So he met with Nalchi and they rewrote "Tiger is coming" to make it "Shiny is coming." <laughs>
2: and then
0: Shiny did a similar ambiguous dance company dance in yes. a lobby to put it over and they like ma- they like remade a shiny version of it and it's great
1: <laughs> it's so good it's so good as soon as i I started listening to this clip um or as soon as i saw the tourism clips I, my brain immediately pictured timmy doing the same motions and i was like why do i see timmy doing this like where have <laughs> i seen this before shiny ink baby
0: shiny um, so even though that's not like technically k-pop I just really needed everybody to know about li Chi be because known. it's great and you need to know it um but to bring it back to the k-pop and the pansori a big hit this year has been from vix's Ravi his new song Bom. You
2: know what I mean, this
1: So you could probably argue that because this song came after Linao Chi went mm. viral, right? Like maybe this is a big inspiration for this.
0: I wouldn't operation. be surprised. Um, because this song features a pansori singer named Pang Sumi, you can type her name into YouTube, and she has a bazillion videos, and the Jeonju Pansori Choir. As well as uh, rappers Chillin' Homie and Kid Millie, um, but this is like a—I mean, it's a—it's ra- a rap song. It's mm-hmm. a Ravi rap song, but the—it's uh, highlighted by this very strong pansori verse where Bangsumi sings, "Tiger, tiger, snakes will try to fly to you, but are flung thousands of miles away." tiger your spirit is different mm-hmm. and then Robbie just like goes off and like raps as fast as like just freaking goes crazy but like every time they're like bum 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 bum, bum. like oh my yeah. god it just oh my god it gets me so high it's so powerful like it is
1: the <laughs> opening like right off the out of the gate it just like bam like kicks in the door Um, and then it is I feel it's like the main part of the chorus of the whole song mm-hmm. Um, and it's really great it we will talk more about this when we get to fashion handbok for sure for sure
0: but yeah love this love this one um and then i just had two other examples i found of not pansori but traditional and trot music being sampled by again hip hop. i feel like the hip-hop artists Mm. have more like uh more of them have found ways to use these sounds. Probably
1: because they use samples in more unique ways than in pop music.
0: For sure. Um, But one of the earliest examples, I think, from this list is uh, G-Dragon in 2013 on his Coup d'etat album, album, Thank You. Uh, He has a song called Niliria featuring Missy Elliott.
2: And
0: this song samples a traditional Korean folk song of the same name that sounds
2: like this. <laughs>
0: Um yeah and I like I like this one a lot because it's like kind of subtle but you like definitely can tell that it's there and I think it's cool that for the song that G-Dragon like worked on with Missy Elliott and they worked on it like 2 years before the album came out so it was like always they didn't just throw Missy on this track it was mm-hmm. like always supposed to be like a real collab yeah. so I think it was really cool that he brought in something like so inherently Korean into this like Collab with like a huge American hip hop star.
1: Yeah, we just recently talked about this song. Um, I think it was our because of KCON K-pop in English. Oh, it was KCON. That's right. Because they did it. They debuted it at KCON. That's right. Yeah, that's
0: right. Um, so that was, I think, the earliest example I found. Um, and then another one that I think people talked about a lot when it came out was uh Mino from Winner, uh his solo song Fiance. Two
2: thousand eighteen.
0: This song samples a nineteen sixty nine trot song called Soyangang Maiden, which sounds like this. Um, and the Korean title of this song is anakne, which is actually a really old-fashioned word for someone else's wife. Scandal. Mm. And um, we will talk about the fashion and other aesthetics of this video in a moment. Um, but yeah, that was an example of a fun, like old Trot song being used in a similar way. And you know, I love to talk about Trot for uh, any Trot,
1: what a great, we'll make a separate Trot podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I almost wonder if because of the concept of this, the concept of this music video seems to have like, a they have a full set. In the past, um, and yeah. I wonder if it was like someone else's wife. If it was supposed to be a past life, um, and so like the Ooh. someone else's wife refers to this like person who is like, oh, it was like his past life wife.
0: Interesting. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. I didn't look up the lyrics.
1: <laughs> that was just my presumption based on the music video alone. <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah, but that wraps up my examples I found of some traditional instruments and traditional singing being used in modern K-pop, and um. Yeah, so now you guys can all listen out for it in your music, and uh, it's a tr- it's a trend that I hope continues because I think it's really neat mm-hmm. to try to take something that is so 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 old and make it like new and cool again. I think that's fun.
1: Yeah I think it's fun too and I have I think that it is a trend that's coming more on the rise like with the pretty well established like international appeal and popularity that Mm -hmm. k-pop has I feel like they are in a really great place to like start bringing in those traditional elements and I think a lot of Um, the artists, like, when I looked up, you know, like, interviews or whatever, like, when they talk about using the instruments in it, it seems to come from a real, like, well, now that we have this global stage, we want to draw attention to the fact that we are Korean, and, like, that is a big part of our identity, so we're not – watering this down in order to fit some sort of western market which is sure. really cool and that is a trend that has also been happening in fashion um, which is really fascinating it's not just happening in Korea I think that it's really taking off in um, Chinese street style too like there's I don't know if you get them on your TikTok but I get them on <laughs> my TikTok those people who
0: walk the walking people yes who look all of the like slow the motion
1: videos of like I guess these like gorgeous couples in these like crazy traditional Chinese robes and like some boy like skateboarding down the street in his like I don't know what I don't know the words for the Chinese versions but Hanfu it's Hanfu anyway yes they're beautiful and so there's also been a resurgence of this like pride in traditional ancient culture and bringing it to the modern stage which is always Mm -hmm. fun and I love learning about the history of clothes so this was a
0: great time. (laughs) Yes. Regale us with what you've learned. All right. So
1: we are talking about hanbok. And the word hanbok literally translates to Korean clothing. Han is just the prefix that means Korean. And I'm assuming Mm -hmm. bok means clothes. Um, But it just means Korean clothing. So um, for a very long period of time, hanbok was just like it wasn't traditional clothes. It was just the it clothes. It just was that people the clothes. That, yeah. Because what's normally it dates all the way back to 37 BC because that's how freaking old Korea is. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the traditional styles that you usually see are styled after the Chosun era which was from 1392 to 1910 which is a really long period of time and over these hundreds of years the style of this clothing changed very little. It's only recently that people started altering the lines and traditional silhouettes of the clothing. But there's two main pieces to hanbok, a top and a bottom. Um, the top is called a jacket. It's it's a jacket. It's chogori. Um, and then for men, they usually wear trousers, which are called paji. And women wear a skirt called a jima. Um, and the traditional style, it has a very distinctive silhouette. Because the um, main structure of the hanbok is all focused around very straight lines. Um, and they have the jacket for women is kind of like a cropped bolero jacket it comes like mm-hmm. just underneath the bust and the skirt goes all the way like an Empire waist underneath the jacket um, mm-hmm. and the jacket usually has sort of like pipe sleeves it doesn't have the billowy sleeves that you would see on more traditional hanfu for example sure um, and so that's really distinctive in the men's style because the men's jacket is like a wraparound jacket that usually goes to at least to the knees but they can go all the way down to the ankles depending on or even like mid-calf, um, depending, uh. usually depending on the year that they're from. Um, uh. But they're really distinctive. In They all wrap with ties. That's like a distinctive part of the shape. Um, And they're very vividly colored usually. There's a lot of symbolism that comes in the embroidery oftentimes. Um, And like I said, there's been very few changes to the overall design. But people really, one of the reasons they've kind of been making a resurgence is because of that silhouette that it has with these sharp lines, but these like soft billowy um, skirts where they're really flattering on everybody. It looks
0: And it looks comfy AF. Yes. Like, I've never worn himbok because I've been afraid. Like, that's a career regret I have. I wish I would have just gone into one of those places and worn a himbok to the palace because mm. everyone else does it and it looks fun. Yeah. But they look so comfy. That, yes. Like, of all the traditional clothes you could ask for, like, they seem like, really, if you have to put it on for a holiday, it seems nice
1: yeah because it's billowy (laughs) like the skirt is huge the tie, all of the fastens are ties not like buttons or something tight okay put cookie where are we going
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're too dangerous you've knocked over computers before
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right you made it safely to the floor the, and the pants for the men, they, again, are tied, so nothing tight around your waist, but they're also usually wide-legged and pretty billowy. Yeah. So on both sides of the, of the outfit spectrum, you've got comfort. Um, but it's funny that you – I'm glad you brought up that you, like, regretted not wearing it because it is – has become like a, something of pride for mm-hmm. a lot of Koreans they actually will give like hanbok as a gift and like the tourism industry is really big on getting people into hanbok um, the president President Park for a while um, would do, it became known as hanbok diplomacy where she would like go to specific international meetings like wearing hanbok um, and it became, because it is known now it became known as this like ceremonial costume so Mm -hmm. it became viewed as more for special occasions like you wear it on Chusok and important holidays or you might wear it for like a traditional part of the wedding Um, but you don't just wear it every day it's like a special item um mm-hmm. and so a lot of places now like the tourism board will sort of um push it like in you palaces. get into palaces
0: for free if yeah, you're wearing if you're one. wearing
1: hanbok mm-hmm. and there's
0: also like a program i that i guess i couldn't find a more recent article but i found an article from 2018 about a city in korea that was protesting the hanbok discounts because Whoever was in charge of that city council did not like the new modern handbook that are so bright and have like glitter on them. Yes. And was like, I don't want to give out discounts anymore if people are going to be wearing these trash handbooks. So but I don't know how they like how that ended up settling, but like Mm. they didn't want to give because I guess there were like restaurants that were part of a program where you get 10 percent off if you come in wearing your handbook. Um, But there's
1: no restrictions on what kind of handbag you're wearing. And that's been a problem. Um, It's a bit of a clash. It's not a huge problem because it is gaining popularity. But there is a school of thought of more like traditionalists who are not set on these modern takes of Hanbok because they think of it as um, sort of defiling something that mm-hmm. is so symbolic and so like patriotic. Almost sacred yeah, even. exactly. Um, so a lot of people are, not everyone is, is sold on it, but it is um, gaining traction. So like I said, this is the main style of clothing that, was in Korea until the early 1900s. But by the early 1980s, Western styles had completely replaced hanbok as the normal style of everyday dress. Um, And it wasn't until the 90s, the very early 90s, um, when a designer named Lee Yong-hee, she's credited with revolutionizing the hanbok for the first time and like bringing it back. Um, Because at a fashion week, she said in 1993... Part of her collection had models sent out in the, um, wait, I just forgot the word. (laughs) In the jima, the skirt without the jacket. And so what Mm. that looks like basically is a strapless empire-waisted gown with, like, a very large skirt. It's super cute, Um, but um, it was... Yeah, it's like there's
0: almost, like, a thin strip of, like, plain bra at the top, kind of. Yes. But it's very plain, and then the fun skirt starts after that. Yes,
1: the seam... There's, like, a obviously the top seam where it is strapless, and then there's another seam maybe... 3 or 4 inches down. Um so like not favorable for big breasted women I can only mm-hmm. assume. Um but the skirt starts about 4 inches down from the top of the from the bust. Um so it's mm-hmm. mostly skirt um, yeah. and it is large, like it's billowy. Um it's not large in the sense that like it's not a circle skirt that has ruffles and layers to it it is like a just a large circle that sort of Mm -hmm. maintains its shape you know what i mean like it's not one of those just coming down off you like a christmas tree yeah but it holds structure to it right Mm -hmm. it doesn't like flow in the wind like it will Blow as a piece. You
0: know know what I mean? Full full conical. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um, The shape holds its shape. Um, And the collection was really well received in Europe. They thought that it was like a great um, take. Of elegance and freedom Um, but it received a lot of criticism in Korea because of the bare shoulders and having it without the jacket they felt that it stripped the hanbok of the nationalism and traditionalism um, which was like I said is a common criticism of it still today Um, but this was back in the 90s and sort of the first time um, that it had really happened on a big stage and it happened on an international stage so I think that's probably why why maybe Koreans were a little bit salty about it because it was like you didn't like you look at what you did. You wrapped us. Look at what you did. Else. You made them hussies. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. You
0: exposed their shoulders. um But on that note, I thought it was very interesting that in both Mino's music video and the Top Dog music video that I talked about earlier, the girls in this video are wearing their hanbok without mm-hmm. the jacket. And to me, like because the top, I think it's because that top part is unfinished. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're you're not supposed to see it. It's supposed to have a jacket over it, which makes it seem vaguely like underwear, even though it is a huge skirt. So I think in both of these music videos, it's supposed to be a little cheeky, Mm -hmm. like in the way that rap music video girls wear like G strings these like rap video girls in the traditional video are just not wearing their hanbok jacket. Yeah. Like, salty. Well, it does
1: imply <laughs> that a piece of clothing has been removed, removed right? because it's traditionally the two pieces and now you're getting it just down to one. Um, it's also in terms of, you know, ancient a- Asian clothing, not a lot of layers. Um, no, so it is already like a, you know, quote unquote scanty, uh, Old, old timey costume. Like, even think about the like European things that they were wearing, like tens of thousands of layers and a cage made out of whale bones. (laughs) Anyway, none of that here. (laughs) So. So anyway, Lee Young-hee was not discouraged by the negative criticism that she received at home. She continued to make uh, modern takes on hanbok in her collection. She eventually created a full exhibition called Hanbok Clothes of the Wind. um, And she became the first Korean designer to have her work featured in France's uh, Fashion Weeks. Oh, wait, I looked up how to say this. Prêt pôté collection, which means ready to wear. So, like, the fashion weeks will have two categories. They have haute right. couture, which is, like, high fashion. And then they have which is ready to wear and it doesn't mean it's like the fast fashion or even like mass produced but it usually means that it's more comfortable clothes you could actually
0: wear outside yeah clothes
1: you could actually wear um and that is gonna come back when we look at like what's going on with hanbok today um so she was the main feature or the main figure of this movement in the 90s and then in the 2000s um a stylist named su yong uh who worked for Vogue Korea at the time, she wanted to counter the what she saw as Korea's fashion industry's obsession with Western labels. And so she used her position at Vogue um, to try and start dovetailing these like Western haute couture with traditional um, pieces from, from Korean culture. And one example is in February 2006, the one that got her a lot of notice, um, where she took these models who had very brightly colored hair and were wearing these like couture gowns and she put them in jokduri which is a traditional coronet it's a headpiece that is usually worn dur at the like front of the the like crown of the head during weddings um is when you'll see them most often yes, they're very okay. brightly colored and they're usually like the side they have different shapes but they're kind of like a little box and they just like sit right on the top of the head and they have different um different patterns
0: Little beads that hang down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes they have a
1: piece that, like, builds up. But they're not usually very big. Um, Right. They're, like, they just sort of sit at the top of your head. Anyway... Um, Also in the early 2000s, a designer, Kim Yong-jin, she is uh, credited with marking a new era of hanbok design because she studied under a woman who was a master of hanbok needlework. It's like I said, traditional hanbok usually has really exquisite embroidery and there's a lot of symbolism behind the... Images that are embroidered on the mm-hmm. on the clothes, um, and she re- recreated. She took a traditional Choson military uniform, which is called a cholik, um, and it has a it has like longer. It's kind of a longer robe than the traditional like everyday um, ha- male handbok. and she turned it into a women's wrap dress um, with Ooh, this. Like, yeah, it's so cute. And like when I, if you look up a cholik, c h e o. L I K is how it's romanized. If you look that up, you could easily see how it would turn into a, uh, a wrap dress that is like midi length with like a v-neck um, and there are a lot of examples of of modern styles because once she designed this it instantly sparked a lot of copycat designs across the country and she got like really bitter about it <laughs> but um, but that's fair because she did it first um, and it makes a really cute dress it's like kind of 50s it kind of feels like um, oh my god these like are Dior fucking the
0: adorable 50s. yeah they're so they cute they almost right? have like an apron Yeah. Like cute little oh and the waist is so tight this makes a great line Mm -hmm. I love these yeah they're they're stunning (laughs) These are adorable.
1: So that was in the early 2000s. And then this continued. So like I said, that design, which it it like easily translates from this male traditional robe to a female wrap dress. And it sparked a lot of copycats. It was a really popular design throughout the country. And then in the early 2010s, we get something that's called hashtag handboxstagram. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you look up that hashtag on Instagram, you will see a ton of examples of exactly what I'm talking about. I read this article that was in Vogue about the his like the resurgence of handbok, and they mm-hmm. had spoken to some teenager or like twenty late teens, early twenties somethings who talked about how there used to be handbok parties at universities and where they would get together specifically to like party in these handboks. I guess maybe kind of like a toba <laughs> party, but sure. it sparked this trend of teens modernizing and customizing the fabrics themselves, and they would would be making handbox shaped clothing out of fabrics that they would get at like the wholesale market or a thrift store or something Uh. like that. And so these independent designers and these small shops started popping up and they began to blend the traditional style or the traditional lines with more modern styles. And in 2014, the amount of hanbok in the Korean fashion industry was like 1% of the designs Mm -hmm. that were being made. Um, But in that same year... The Vogue stylist I mentioned earlier, So Young-hee, she helped start the Hanbok Advancement Center, which hosts programs about Hanbok education. So like different fashion history classes, not only on the history of different lines, but also like construction and design courses. And they also host different events as well. Um, And I think that this really helped push the design or the, the trend now for designers to start factoring that into their sure. new collections. And the very next year you started to see um Hanbok on those runways. So in the 2015 Seoul Fashion Week, Carl Lagerfeld of Chanel um, closed the Chanel Resort collection in Seoul with uh, these hanbok inspired inspired gowns. Um, And at the Paris Fashion Week, it was also spotted and photographed for Vogue um, as part of the street style, like people who went to the Paris Fashion Week were wearing traditional hanbok. So what that has led to is what's now called shin hanbok, which means new hanbok. And this is modern hanbok brands that are looking to make hanbok fit the modern setting and make them for everyday wear. So that's where you're taking things like that original cholik and turning it into a really nice, easy wrap dress or taking that um, traditional hanbok male jacket and making it into like a slightly longer tied suit jacket instead, Um, or even like, you know, uh, a blouse or something that has like the wrap tie So there's a couple different brands that are really popular now in Korea. One of them is called Army, uh, A-R-M-I. It was founded by a designer, Park Mion, and it now has over 50 chain stores across the country. And they are uh, known for incorporating different pieces of hanbok with just casual outfits of the day. Um, So that's a great example of shin hanbok. Um, And I'm pretty sure they ship internationally if you're trying to look for those kinds of things. Um, A really popular brand that I kept coming across in all my research was called Lisle. Um, and this kind of was born out of that gram era of these like handbox parties and like making, uh, making the clothes yourself. Huang Lisle, uh, which I think is how you pronounce that, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, she <laughs> Thank you. She creates altered handbox um that are easy to wash. They come in multiple sizes. Uh sometimes she she will like trade out things um for like zippers or easy fasteners. So they are like a fully modern spin on handbox. They're in um cheaper fabrics, so they're like more they're more affordable because they're not made of pure silk. Um and she started her company in 2014, like when the hanbok party trend was getting big Um, and she said her motivation was that Korea has more than 5,000 years of its own history and clothing traditions but people treat hanbok like clothes reserved only for formal occasions. I thought that if it continues this way then our unique traditions will disappear so she wanted to be able to bring that tradition into just an everyday which is such a cool idea. Another brand that's well known um, and is getting really popular recently in the last couple of years is called Danha. They were launched in 2018, uh, but they designed the fashion handbook that was worn by Blackpink in How You Like That. Um, and so they recently got like super popular. Um, but they actually focus on sustainability, and 30 to 50% of their clothes are made with recycled fabrics. Um, mm-hmm. And the lead, the founder. Of the company says that it's actually an easy fit with traditional Korean design because compared to Western shapes, original hanbok designs produce less scraps. And there's oh, yeah. also yeah right because it's the straight lines. Um, there's also a company called Sorinare, which is best known for making matching couple outfits, and I think that's really,
2: really? cute.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so, I was
0: totally scamming all of these websites while you were talking and all of this stuff is beautiful and it's I want all, all of it. Beautiful. And all the pa- all the tie pants. They're like baggy harem pants with ties and they look so comfortable. I love all the blouses
1: <laughs> like cuz they're very they have like sort of box shapes which is just so lovely and the like those dresses that have the like sort of tighter high bust and then just like yes. the beautiful skirt like ah oh. They just—it really does transition so well into modern lines. Like the fusion is perfection, and Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Um, so how does this intersect with K-pop? Um, it comes up a lot. I mean, we've brought up a few different times throughout the year. I feel like we started talking about it because of Ace. Um, yes, they like really caught our eye with it. This fashion fashion mock, um, yes. but no Shin Henbok is the term we now have. Uh, mm. But so some of the like we said, some of the examples of the songs that we've already talked about had examples of this shin hanbok um, in the concepts of their music video. So like Vicks Shangri-La is a great example of this. Um, their jacket, not only do they use like the, the fan to be like a traditional piece of it sure. or a traditional piece of the look, but their hanbok that they're wearing is um, structured from structured as western suit jackets with um Mm. traditional accessories so they'll have like a waist uh pendant around the waist or like the sash and tassel around the waist or they have like some of the fabrics and the lapels um, and the lines in the lapels of the jackets uh one us lit the song that we mentioned earlier also has full handbox sets um and then other sets that have like just inspired pieces you can see it in the embroidery the pendants the lapels um and We talked about top dog with their like hip-hop hanbok as well and they have the ladies in that lee young Hee style dress with no jackets so definitely playing off of the scantiness in there yes uh bts idol also most of that music video is not a traditional set but there's at the very end uh there is a set where they're like cgi and like a Pagoda is the wrong word, but they're in kind of like a palace style mm-hmm. um, building. And they are wearing what's called a dopo, which is the overcoat of hanbok worn by Confucian scholars. But they have casual clothing underneath. So Ooh. the the clothes, the, they're not wearing like T-shirts and jeans, but the like slacks and... Shirts that they're wearing kind of echo the fabric, the like black and gold fabric mm. of the dopo, So you don't notice right away that they're not in full handbok, um, but it's really just the jacket or the coat that's over it. In Follow as well, Monster X, they have kind of that Shangri-La style um, handbok inspired suit jacket. Um, they have the like Jogori inspired lines in the um, lapels and in the fabrics and in the way that the like the jacket will the nice tie ties. together. Yeah. Um, a lot of pendants and tassels. Um, of course, Ravi with his main pansori singer uh, in "Boom," uh, she's in a full traditional. And then the choir is in like a what would be called an altered handbok because they have like T-length skirts where they oh. hit um, like just above the ankle. So it doesn't go all the way down to the ground. We talked about Mino, Fiancé, the ladies in their scanty no jacket <laughs> dresses, the scanty. Um, Suga as August D in his uh, remind me how to say Dechita
0: Dechita okay
1: Dechita there's a W in the room I think think you have to
0: yell it Dechita
1: Dechita Um, so he wears a few different sets of, um, cause the whole concept of this music video and song is, um, hit like historical. Um, so there is one set where he's wearing full traditional hanbok, but he has modern sneakers on. And then there's a street scene where he's wearing more of what you would consider shin hanbok, um, because the jacket and the like wrap around tie shirt are inspired by it but he's wearing like more modern pants and sure. I think sneakers i don't know you can't really see them in that anyway also like i mentioned blackpink how you like that um the shoe they have like the cropped jo- jogori jacket but they're wearing you know just like tops and shorts and stuff underneath mm-hmm. it it looks great um mm-hmm. but those are the kinds of jogoris that i think like you were saying, the people in that city would have gotten mad about because they're these right. like really bright colors and they have these like glitter embroidery on them. And they're like sheer. like Jenny's is like a sheer pink, um, even though traditional hanbok is known for having vivid colors. I think it's just sort of the like beading and the sheer fabrics that are getting people's knickers in a twist
0: yeah i also think that the colors i meant to i wanted to like have more time to look into it but i was like now i'm just like opening a different can of worms of like (laughs) traditional korean costumes and art or whatever but just as an observer of a as a souvenir buyer and a visitor of the country twice it appears that there is a very set there's a set of colors Mm -hmm. and there's They appear in stripes most of the time in a very specific order. And, like, that has to be on purpose. And it's, like, a primary color is with white and black. And then there's a very hot pink and there's a kind of, like, Blue and like those are the colors that are on all the souvenirs and that are always worn by the traditional band. I think that there's like a set of colors that are the okay colors. Yeah, like and then after that, then you're just getting wacky.
1: Yeah, and hanbok, like when you get into hanfu, like the traditional Chinese clothes, you get really, really fancy with the fabrics, like crazy brocade, gorgeous lace, sheer things that are just like oh my god mm-hmm. they make your like mouth drool with how like luxurious these fabrics are but handmock fabrics are silk plain and simple like that's what they are traditionally they're not sheer they are not glittery like they are made of silk <laughs> so then making something that would then have like lace in it or be see-through in some way like i can see how that might get under some traditionalist skin But speaking of that exact look of some sheer uh, handbok, another example is Oh My Girl on Queendom. For one of their Queendom performances, they covered the lovely song Destiny, and they wore these shortened black handbok uh, outfits where the... The skirt itself was short and the sleeves of the jogori was also short, but underneath they had long sleeve. they had a lace garment underneath it. Uh. So they had like long lace sleeves and the lace skirt and then they had like the traditional pendants around their waist. Um, so it was like a, a cute little like cocktail version yeah fun (laughs) and then ace is the first time that I remember really like wow look at this fashion handbook. I've never seen anything like it this is stunning because they structured their whole uh Goblin favorite boys come back around this style, and they all of their teaser images. They did this stunning underwater photo shoot where they're wearing traditional handbok, but then for the favorite boys' music video and stages, they're wearing that uh shin handbok where they're wearing um the handbok over streetwear, um, but the whole concept, like I said, is like based in this um, mixture of historical and traditional Korean elements. I read this interview with the boys, where they talked about how not only in the fashion and in the accessories, like they have, you know, the jade rings and the pendants and the hair and the wigs. Um, but they also the choreography itself is based off of a traditional Korean wrestling style called tsirim, uh, which is featured in fairy tales, because fairy tales that feature goblins, goblins wrestle humans it with Pseudom. Uh. So <laughs> the, uh, all of the like sort of circular like spins and jumps that are in the choreography are modeled after this traditional wrestling style, which fun. is featured in the fairy tale. So fun. Um, Stray Kids Back Door also has, uh, Hanbok inspired jackets and shirts. It's all in the lines and the fabric and the embroidery. Um, I think they wore it on maybe one or two stages, but it's in the music video for sure. Um, and then Super M Tiger Inside. I feel like that's, um, one of the more like cohesive looks where it's like a, they like really went for it. You know what I mean? Like in the way. Yes.
0: But it makes me sad because it's not enough. They don't sure. show these outfits until the last thirty seconds of the music video. Yeah, and they're the most like pretty and cohesive outfits of the video. One hundred percent. Taemin and Kai and Ten look like fucking princes mm-hmm. in their like long coats, and Taeyong has a cr- like Co- he has a crop top under crop his- top. Genius. Like, It's genius Genius. and they like match so well and the fabrics look look really luxurious and every single one of their outfits is totally different but they go together i just like them so much and i'm sad that they aren't featured more in the video because i think they're great
1: that's totally fair i can't remember now if i said but we're talking about tiger inside if i tiger inside super um which wasn't a song that i loved i was like this just feels kind of like dropping 100 2.0 um Mm. but these suits are stunning um and they do have like each one of them has a very different look um it reminded me of some of the like collections we've looked at in our stage outfit spotlights Mm -hmm. where there's clearly been a lot of attention to detail paid to each individual member and each individual member like really looks fantastic um I just like all of their all their like I almost want to call them blouses because they're not really (laughs) like shirts and they're not button-ups but because they like tie so lovely so lovely, <laughs> so beautifully mm-hmm. they tie so nicely and there's like gorgeous embroidery on all I think them. they're
0: blousy cause like Ty and Kai I think they're blousey they look blousy because Kai's um, jacket is very open and that the sleeves are open and have like a cool crisscross mm-hmm. going down the side and then he has full puffy pirate belt like there are full bell sleeves on yeah, this yeah, yeah. shirt covering his hands mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I love it. I love all the sashes and like Mark has a vest and like, I don't know, all their outfits are different and beautiful and they look shiny mm-hmm. and they look expensive yes, and Kai has expensive. a little ponytail.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but yeah, I think everyone forgot because this is the music video where Kai is like really buff for no reason oh, and yeah, his arms yeah. are out and it's very distracting otherwise.
1: Yeah, why and was his he arms so buff? are covered in We keep asking, the shin but literally, handbook.
0: why was he so buff? For I
1: don't, we never really got an explanation. <laughs> like maybe this is the only reason. Like he got right? really, or maybe he just like I don't know. It was like I had a lot of time off, and I just went to the gym yeah. with Chanyeol a lot, and like oh yeah, maybe yeah. Chanyeol was sad, and so he like went to the gym every day <laughs> with Chanyeol, and like that's why he got that's, so buff because he was hey. being a good bro. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's possible. <laughs> It's possible. Um, it's possible. That's it. That's all I had. <laughs> well, I really liked that. Thank you so much. I know you had fun because you like studying about clothes. But God, I thank love you for studying about
1: clothes. It was so fun. And I love looking. Yeah, I had so much fun looking through all of the pictures and seeing all of the, all the different ways that designers choose to incorporate the different elements because there's really no limit to like how you can like which part of the hanbok you want to incorporate into it and like the super m the super m outfits are a good example of all the different ways you can mm-hmm. fuse the two styles together so i'm super into this trend and i hope it doesn't go away because i like it yeah <laughs> i love it
0: i think it's great and yeah i i was just so curious to look into this because i feel like a couple of months ago i saw an article about how people had started wearing everyday handbok to like the office and like bosses were trying to figure out like if that was chill or not (laughs) like well it's like traditional and we like it but like Mm. but is is it maybe you should be in a suit in a suit and feel uncomfortable like i don't know but and then it was also kind of tied up in like how the pandemic has like broke everyone's brains and they're just like, I don't want to do things. I don't want to anymore. Yeah. And so people are like, I want to wear handbook because it feels like pajamas. And like, you're not going to tell me I can't. And I yeah. just think that's fun. I also think it's a really <laughs> cool
1: trend of like we were talking about in the begin at the beginning of the episode, like other examples of this like traditional clothing that is starting to get uh, brought out into modern styles. Like I love this idea of like wearing your culture on your sleeve and like finding a fun way to to blend those traditional styles because western clothes is boring like a t-shirt and jeans like suit and a tie like sure everyone looks great in a suit but other cultures clothing is way cooler
0: yeah you get more fabric most of those things more yeah most of those exactly and i feel like most of those things have been like you know beat out of people by the colonizers or whatever. Yeah. So this reclamation
1: of your identity and like Mm -hmm. literally putting it on you, like, you know what? You came over here and you made me wear a suit. And now this is what I, this is what I'm going to do with it. But This
0: is what I think of it. And I'm going to wear this instead. Yeah. Or I'm going
1: to blend the two in a beautiful new 2021
0: marriage. Yeah. For the future yeah i love this more fusion in fashion and music um because i think it's great yeah so um yeah i hope you all learned a little today because i certainly learned a lot putting it together (laughs) (laughs) and we'll be right back with our random game attention k-pop shoppers k-star music la is the newest spot in los angeles to get all your favorite k-pop goodies You can visit them at 3500 West 6th Street in Los Angeles or shop anytime at kstarmusic.online. And listeners have asked me about K-pop get a special free gift when you use code KSTAR with AMA at checkout. So whether you have albums to pre-order, light sticks to collect, or just need some more Kakao Friends plushies, you can always visit KSTAR Music in person or at kstarmusic.online. All right, we're back. And this week the random number generator gave us temporary TV show girl group I O I. Yeah, they
1: knew that we had run long with our main segment, so they said we're going to give you a group that you've already talked about. Yes, we
0: have. <laughs> um if you have not listened to our Producing a Scandal episode, Please check that out right now. We talked about the Produce 101 franchise and its demise and every season. And IOI is the group that was formed on the first season of that disgraced and defunct reality (laughs) show. Where the premise was that they took trainees from many companies, 101 101 trainees, and made a group of 11 girls that would promote for a single year um and they did that and you might know many of the IOI members as soloist chunga or um members of Wiki meeky Don, what else so they're soloists so they're cosmic yeah. girls they're Pristons, they're dias and as we've spoken about before they are all cursed because of the <laughs> terrible show that they were on. It Except for the like
1: wiki-miki's so far, knock on wood.
0: Knock on wood. They've been doing okay. wiki have... um, But yeah, this was... um, Yeah, they only got to promote for one year. And as we discussed, all the groups that came after them got like a better hand. Mm-hmm. But in their time as a group, they were able to release two EPs... Um, and their singles all did pretty well because they were all popular and voted on by the public. Mm -hmm. Um, but their, and their only number one hit, uh, was off of their debut album and it was called Very, 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 and that is the music video that we're going to be watching together
1: right now. And was this their official debut song?
0: I think it was Let I want to check because I think that that first album was mostly made up of like the challenge songs from the first season like Yum Yum and Pick okay. Me and stuff which I think were like part of the, the show. TV show Yeah. so I know very 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 to be their debut but maybe it was What a Man you know mm. let's see let's see can I find this out can I find the sound in a reasonable amount of time? Ten. Debut. Nine, oh, eight. no. Their debut song is called Dream Girls. And it goes, we are the dream girls. Dream girls. And they like sing about how they're your dream girls. So Great. no, this was not the first one, but it was their biggest hit. So. Okay. All right. I have the video pulled up. Do you have the video pulled up? I sure do. All right, we're gonna three, two, one, press play on go. Ready? Three, two, one, go. All right,
1: we've got a lot of doorways, yellow and white. And girls. Yes, they have
0: a cute, like a gym, a little gym concept. These cute gym socks and like.
1: Yeah. And the close ups look like. Oh, yeah, okay, we're in a gym. And we've got, like,
0: red and white. Yes, little red and white, like, tennis skirts and gym shorts. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah, like, little gym outfits. And so each set has, like, a different gym outfit. Wow, look at chunga in a girl group.
0: It's really funny to see, like, a to lot know of them, them seem now, kind of unrecognizable in this, like, you know, brown hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all have brown hair, which is standard for, you know, and they're like very cutesy.
1: And Changla doesn't do cutesy things anymore, so it is really funny to see her in like this.
0: Yeah, but the like the color palette is very strong. I like Mm -hmm. this yellow and this green and the mint and the white. Like it works.
1: Yes. And some of the close-ups the girls are wearing, these like cute little fake freckles. Oh, Dalian, you're so beautiful.
0: (laughs) I just saw those fake freckles. I just saw a picture of Yenan today that was wearing, he was wearing little heart freckles. And I was like, those are fucking cute.
2: Adorable.
0: Yeah, see, like, this is just sad because look at all these pristons that are just like gone forever. (laughs) Yeah, um, Yeah, and, like, Gugudan's, like, actually finally done as of, like, a few oh, weeks really? ago, I think. Oh,
2: no. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, as we've discussed many times on this show, a lot of these, like, Chaeyoung from Daya, this one over here in the white, mm-hmm. like, her group suffered because the rest of them would never be able to reach her level of recognition Mm. so they were known as as they said on the unit Young and those other girls yeah um which put like it's a I don't know we talked about it a lot in that episode but Produce 101 was a crazy idea and I don't know what it's gonna do to all these people
1: yes (laughs) because it's one thing to have a group that is made of trainees who have not yet debuted with their company but it's another thing to then have them oh well i guess they hadn't debuted yet and so it was just like the after effect when they debuted after being in produce 101 or being in ioi then like they're just automatically so much more famous than their other members yeah yeah and that's not the same as a group like EXID becoming really famous because like Hani's fa- fan cam got famous, sure. right? Because like they were already a group together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's and weird because dynamic. Produce was a thing. And Produce was a thing where people were like voting for like their singular favorite. Mm-hmm. So I think it also created a bit of Ake culture that like can't be undone once you've done yeah.
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Because you were pitting them against each other. And there were like rankings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least they left us with a few bops. And, you know, we have our Chang'e and we have our Somi and our Wikimikis. And Sejong just put out a cute solo. So even though they killed Gugudan, like, she's she's still around. Oh, boy. She's the one that's on Busted, Busted. right? Okay. That's what I thought. Yes. Surely, sure. Yeah, that's
2: surely. what I thought.
0: all right weekly recommendation time um i'm just going to like truly reiterate that i think that everybody needs to listen to the linalchi album um just because i think that it's so interesting and different and unlike any music i've ever like it's familiar the bass loops feel familiar but the pansori singing make it feel like something i've never heard before and it really is just like so addicting and cool and fun. And those tourism commercials are a great watch.
2: Oh my so gosh. Even though so it was fun. part of
0: the episode, I really, I really do think that's my recommendation, is I think you need to check those out because they're fun.
1: I don't have much that I have been like listening to lately that I feel like recommending. I will recommend if you want to see the fashion Shin handbook in action, please check out some of the music videos that we mentioned in this episode whether you want to see the more traditional stylings or those fusion those fusion elements Um, but other than that I want to turn us to the Patreon because if you are a seasoned tier member or seasoned fan tier Patreon subscriber then you have the opportunity to write in and send us a recommendation. Uh, You can send us a recommendation once a month month um, and we will just pull this list and read them out whenever we get them um, you should have received a Google a Google form in order to submit <laughs> it if you need it email us <laughs> okay anyway um so i'm going to read out uh whoever made this recommendation did not write their name so i don't know who it's from but they said any k-pop group that can make it 10 years in this competitive industry deserves a recommendation in honor of both recent anniversaries i'd like to recommend the debut songs for both b1a4
0: which is called okay and A Pink. i don't know Yay, I love that recommendation because I totally forgot to shout it out because I think we recorded last week's episode on their anniversary, but on the 19th A Pink turned 10 years old. And I'm so proud of them because I think they're like the second girl group ever to make it to 10 years. Yeah. Um, And I think that's wonderful. And I'm so blessed and I feel so, I'm just so grateful that I chose them as my favorite girl group because they've never let me down and I love them so much. And they put out a little fan song called Thank You and it's just like a sweet little fan song and the music video has them just like looking at old pictures of themselves and like singing and they none of except for the two who did their faces they don't look different at all (laughs) like 10 years has not aged them and they're magical and I love them and I'm so proud oh
1: yes congratulations congratulations to a pink it's not easy for girl groups out there and congratulations to b1a4 as well 10 years no small feat so cheers to you both
0: um, and that is it for this week's episode. Um, if you would like to get in contact with us, we can be found at AMA Kpop Pod on most of the places like Twitter and Instagram. And our email is amakpoppod at gmail.com. And I say this pointedly because I would like to ask you listeners for something. I'm trying to get better at asking you guys for things <laughs> I need your input on because we In have a whole list. <laughs> we have a huge list of episodes we want to do, but we need your help. And so here is me remembering to ask for one. My current ask will be. What are some misheard K-pop lyrics in your own life? And I think that I specifically reach this question to our international listeners who speak a language other than English. Because I think a lot of the English misheard lyrics are like pretty well known or like kind of popular. Like a lot of people have misheard the same things. But if you speak a totally different language and you hear something crazy in the K-pop... Please write us about that and then tell us like why it's like just explain it because I think that will be so fun to know. Um, So please email us any of your misheard K-pop lyrics and I say email because then I won't lose them. If you tweet them at me, I will forget about it Yes, it's easier for us to
1: compile (laughs) Email amakpoppod at gmail.com.
0: And that doesn't yes. mean that
1: if you don't speak another language, you can't email oh, us. Oh, no. Your, I was just saying. But yes. Especially, especially if, you're like, if you've heard something in another language, let us know. We want to know tell that. Us.
0: too um, Yeah. So that's my call to action. There's no hard deadline on that. I was just going to wait till we get some in. So if you're hearing this call and this episode isn't more than a two or three weeks old, Send that in. <laughs> um, other ways you can get into contact with us, we have a phone number, 181 AMA Kpop 5, for leaving voicemails. You can send us snail mail to our PO Box. PO Box
1: 26096, Los Angeles, California 90026.
0: And as mentioned a couple times in this episode, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash AMA Kpop Pod for as little as $3 a month. You can get our Patreon content, and our 10th video episode is going up this week, and it's really funny and embarrassing to us, so um, (laughs) if you would like to pay a little money to see what that's all about, join our Patreon. Yeah, and even if you join right now for only
1: $3, you would get 10 episodes because you will have access to everything we've recorded since we started our Patreon,
0: which was 10 months ago. I know, isn't that crazy? It's almost been a year. Whoa! Also, happy birthday to Chen's baby daughter, who is one years old now. What the f?
1: Oh my god, that was. We were just talking about this over the weekend, but I watched like this really old XO "Love Me Right" performance, and it was so wild because I was just like, "He's a father. (laughs) (laughs) One of these voices of father now. You
0: can't forget it. It's too crazy.
2: It is." Just uh,
0: all right well this was a great time i hope you all enjoyed this episode we will be back next week with something fun as always take care of yourself get a vaccine if you can and uh we love you guys Goodbye. Zhongyan, you're our inspiration